welcome. I didn't think that Greg was going to make me cry before I even started here today. So how are you guys doing today? Good, good, good. For those of you who don't know me, um, as Greg just said, my name is Corey Schmittelkofer, and my wife Erin and I uh, are leading up the young adult ministry here at Change Point Northeast Anchorage. And, and so if, if you're between the ages of 18 and 30, I am going to do this. I'm going to take a minute to give myself and our ministry a shameless plug, so you guys just have to take that. Uh, if you're in, interested and you're between the ages of 18 and 30 and you want to just really team up with some other young adults in our city to be on a mission for our city, we want to invite you afterward. Aaron and I will be standing up here in the front, and we want to get to know you and just connect with you and, and let you know how you can get involved in what God's doing amongst the young adults in our city. Um, and so, as, as some of you may recall, a few weeks ago, I gave my life change story right here on this stage. And um, there was a time in my life that uh, I, I struggled through some real dark times of, of drug abuse and, 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 and hopelessness. And, and on one night in particular, in late October, I found myself sitting in, uh, in a home that was frequented with drug abuse. And, and there was a man, and he sat across from me in this home. And, uh, and this man said something to me that I'll never forget. He looked me straight in my eyes and he said, Corey, I, I think you have some problems and you should probably get some help. And this was significant for me because never in my life did I think that a man who was using drugs and, and someone who I thought was far worse off than me was going to tell me that I had problems and I needed to get some help. That doesn't happen every day where a crackhead says you need to get some help. And so, um, you know, when this happened, uh, I, I walked outside, and, and I was just pondering what this man had just said to me. I mean, it really affected me, and it, and it, and it hurt my feelings, you know. And, um, and so as I stood there, uh, I looked up in the sky. Um, and mind you, I was, I was really struggling through some dark times at this point, and and, and a lot of drug abuse and, and heroin addiction and cocaine. And, and I, stat, I stood there and I looked up in the sky and the, and the stars were shining brighter than I had ever seen them shine before. And in the midst of all the drug use and all the pain and all the loneliness, it was as if time had stopped and God had broken through the hardness of my heart. It was in that moment that the heavens declared the glory of God and the skies above proclaimed his handiwork. It was in that moment that the Lord was calling me to himself and I didn't even realize it. You see, there comes a point when every man and woman's life when we are faced with the question, every single man and woman is faced with this question. And so in the short time that we have today, I want to take a look through a passage that I really thinks to the heart of thinks or sorry that speaks to the heart of this question and the question is this is there more to life than this That's the question is there more to life than this every man and every woman asks themselves this question and God has placed this question in my heart and I believe he's placed this question in your heart and and we've all come to a place in life where we ask ourselves, is there more to life than this? And so if you have your Bibles with you, please open them to the book of Matthew, chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 12 and specifically focusing in on verses 10 through 12. 
So before we begin, I'm, I'm going to give you a little background or some context to what's happening here. Um, Jesus was born in the city of Bethlehem, and, and when he was born, a star had risen in the sky, and, and a group of wise men from the east began to follow this star. Now these wise men were astrologers, and the, the NIV renders their, their name as, as magi, which is the root word for magician. And so the text doesn't give us much insight into who these men were. But one thing that we do know is that these men were searching the stars for something. These men were searching for something. And on this particular day, these wise men, they saw a star that was doing something that their stars had never done before. This star was significantly different than any star they had ever seen before. And so these wise men from the east, they were considered unclean Gentiles by the Jews. Uh, these were the first men to come and worship Jesus. And, and this is significant because the Gospel of Matthew was specifically written to the Jews. The Gospel of Matthew was specifically written to the Jews. And here the first people to come and worship Jesus were unclean Gentiles. That's powerful. That is powerful. And what he does here is he really opens the door for salvation to all who would believe. To all who would believe salvation in Christ, joy in Christ, hope in Christ is offered to all who would believe. And we see that in that the first worshipers of Jesus are people who were not even part of the covenant of God at that time. You see, up to this point, salvation was for God's chosen people the Jews or the Israelites. But these wise men, these Gentiles, were the first to worship Jesus. And so the scriptures go on, and in Israel at this time, Herod was the only person who was known as the king of the Jews. And so the scriptures say that Herod was troubled in all of Jerusalem with him. Why would Herod be troubled? And more so, why would all of Jerusalem be troubled with him? You see, Herod was known as the king of the Jews, and, and this is this is huge implications on what the future looks like because what Herod is troubled is about is that this newborn king was going to overthrow his power. And why would Jerusalem, why would Israel be troubled with them? Because this man was no joke. If his power is overthrown, he's taken a bunch of people out with him. And so Israel, Herod, they're afraid that this newborn king is really going to step on the toes of Herod. And, and Herod doesn't want to see that. You see, and this is, the, this is the part where the irony comes out. That, that for all of their lives, Israel and Herod had been waiting, supposedly waiting for this king, this Messiah to come. All of their lives they have been waiting. And here comes these unclean Gentiles from the east, and they, they cry out, where is he who has been born king of the Jews, the Messiah, Jesus? Where is he? And the scriptures say that Herod told the wise men to, to, go, to go to Bethlehem and find this king who was born king of the Jews. And, and so the, the, the scribes, they, they quote a passage out of Micah 5, 2, and it reads, And you, O Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Bethlehem. 
And so Herod tells these wise men to go and find this child who's born king and to come back and tell them where he is so that he can worship him. Now the significance of this passage is that up to this point, the Jews had been waiting for this Messiah, and he had finally came. And you would think that somebody they were waiting their whole life for, if they came, that everybody would be going to see him. But they didn't move. Herod and the scribes, Israel, they had different motives. They had their own agendas. They stayed right where they were at. And so let's pick up the story in Matthew 2, verses 9 through 12. It says, After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them, until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. So there are at least three answers to this question that I want to unpack through this text. Um, Three truths that I believe lead us to a deeper worship of Jesus and a greater joy that is found only in him. Now, four years ago, I was confronted with this question. And I remember in that moment thinking to myself that there's got to be something more than this. There's got to be something greater than the life that I'm living now. And, And I believe that this is a feeling that God places within all of our hearts and And God created us this way because he created us with a longing for him. He created man and woman, every person in this room with a longing for him. And and God created us with this longing because he wants us to find our joy in him and in him alone. Is there more to life than this? And the answer is yes. Yes, there is. That joy is found in Christ alone. That joy is found in Christ alone. You see, my life was a mess and I needed some help. And and here this man, God used another man who was also in a bad place in his life to speak truth into my life through his creation, through his stars. And as I sat there, I knew that there was something more. I felt real small in that moment. The unique thing about this story was that both this man and myself knew that there was a problem. Both that man and myself knew that there was a problem. And we, we both knew that there was a problem. And, and, and I believe that before salvation comes, one must first realize that there is a problem. Before salvation comes, one must first recognize the need for a Savior. And these wise men knew that. And I believe that the Lord placed within these wise men this same longing. You see, why would these wise men travel such a far distance by foot, risking their lives in the hands of Herod the king, if they were not in search for something more? Why would they, why would they study the skies looking for, looking for a sign if they were not seeking something greater? The answer is, is that they wouldn't. You see, these men were seeking. These men were searching, and they were willing to leave it all behind. They were willing to risk their lives in the pursuit of this longing for joy and pursuit of what it is they had searched their lives for. 
And I believe that there are many people right here in this room today that are experiencing the same longing. And I want to say that I know what you're going through. I really do. I know the struggles that we are faced with in this thing called life. Nobody comes to church on Sunday because life is put together. Right? I mean, like we could come in here and see a whole lot of perfect looking people, but nobody comes to church on Sunday because we got everything put together. Every single person in this room right here is longing. Every single person in this room is longing for something different. And you see, I tried my whole life to fill this void. As I sat across from a man who told me all of my problems, I was in some sick way pursuing joy. And we are all seeking joy in some way. Every one of us seeks for joy, and the problem is, is that we seek for joy in the wrong places. But it's not until three weeks after this man told me of my problems that Christ really broke into my life and he changed it forever. You see, finally in Christ, I had found all that it was that I had been searching for. These wise men knew that they were following something greater than themselves. They knew that they needed something to change. You see, they knew that there was something more, that, that there was this deep longing within them that caused them to walk a hundred miles, hundreds of miles by foot over treacherous terrains, risking their, hands at, their lives in the hands of Herod. They knew that they were about to come face to face with their Savior. And verse 10 says that when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. These men knew that they had found what it is they had been searching for, and they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. You see, they hadn't even came in contact with the Christ yet, but they knew that something was going to change, and that's what they were searching for, a change. You see, three weeks after this man told me of all my problems, this man that I told you about at the beginning, um, I was arrested in an abandoned home, and I was homeless at that time. And, uh, and I remember going to jail in that moment feeling freer than I had ever felt in my entire life. I knew that I had finally found a solution to my longing. I knew that I no longer had to search for joy in the substances or the possessions or the things of this world. I knew that I had finally found what I had been searching for. And these wise men knew that they no longer had to search the stars. You see, that joy that I felt on my way to jail that day, these wise men, they had to feel that same type of joy. It was this joy of a future hope. It was this joy knowing that it was finished. That they no longer had to search anymore. They had an anticipation for something greater. After a life of searching and, and two years of traveling, these wise men had finally found what they had been looking for, and they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy because their joy was filled in Christ alone. You see, the result of finding this joy in Christ, this joy that we have been longing for for all of our lives, the result is that we would worship Jesus for who he is 
that we would worship Jesus for who he is. You see, joy produces worship. Joy produces worship. And the natural overflow of a life in Christ is a joy that produces worship. Look at what the first half of verse 11 says. It says, And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and they worshipped him. Now think about this for a second. These men, they just traveled hundreds and hundreds of miles, and they risked their lives. And, And these men come in, and they fall down at the feet of Jesus before he ever performed a single miracle. Before he ever healed a single man. Before he shed his blood on the cross for their sins. These men fell down at the feet of Jesus while he was a helpless baby. These men were worshiped Jesus for who he was. They were worshiping Jesus just for who he was. Not for what he had done for them, possibly for what he could do for them because they knew that he was the Savior, but they fell down at the feet and they worshiped Jesus while he was a helpless baby. The joy that these men felt produced in them an overwhelming desire to worship Jesus. Now the worship of these wise men was a result of their exceedingly great joy. They knew that Jesus was the Savior. They knew that all their hope and all their love and all their joy was hinging on this child that was sitting before them. They knew that the deep longing within their hearts was finally filled and they were sitting at the feet of a child. But they knew that this child was the king and they knew that he was the answer to their searching. They worship Jesus for who he was. And and with that truth, I want to pose a few questions. Why is it that you're here today? What is it that you're searching for? What is it that you're longing for? Are we here like Israel, like Herod, with our own agendas, or are we here to worship the king for who he is and find our joy in Jesus? And my third and final point that we can draw from this text is that Christ is the treasure. Christ is the treasure. These wise men, they fell down and they offered up their worldly possessions. The second half of verse 11 says, Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. You see, when your joy is in Christ, listen, these men fell down at the feet of Jesus and they offered up all that they had. Because they knew when our joy is in Christ, it does not matter what we gain. It does not matter what we lose. We have found all that we will ever need in Jesus. He becomes our most cherished possession. He becomes our greatest joy. Right? Not only are these wise men giving up what they possess, they were willing to give up the best of what they possess. These wise men knew that everything that they had ever found joy in, all the things of this world, all their possessions were not even worth comparing to the treasure that they found in Christ. They were willing to give it all away. They were willing to offer it up to him. 
The gifts of these wise men represented an intense desire for Christ. You see, these gifts represented their hearts towards Christ. Not that Christ needed their gifts. Not that Christ needs our gifts, but that our hearts would be in a form of worship. Right? Our focus, our joy would be found in Him and not our earthly treasures. He doesn't need our gifts. It's that our focus and our joy would be found in Him. And so I, I just, may God take the truth that is found in this text and, and waken in us a desire for Christ himself. We're all searching for something. Every single one of us is trying to fill the void. Every single one of us is trying to find joy. These men, they search the stars, and many of us here in this room today, we might search it in, in places like our work or our money or our friends, or our, our spouse, or our children. I mean, the list can go on and on and on about things that we make idols out of. John Calvin said that our hearts are idol-making factories. We will attach ourselves to anything and make an idol out of it because we have a hole inside of us. God created us with the longing for himself. And so when we're looking for joy apart from Christ, we're naturally going to grasp onto things that are idols in this world. And they'll never produce the outcome that we're searching for. All right, listen. Joy is always an object and an expectation. Always. And the reason I say this is because, because when frustration happens in our life, when our life becomes frustrated... It is because something that we have expected, something that we have made an object out of, has not produced the effect that we were looking for. Let me say that again, and I might word it a little bit differently. We make idols out of things that are not of Christ, and they never produce the desired outcome. And when life becomes frustrated, it's because those objects and those expectations have become unfulfilled. Apart from Christ, we can never experience true and lasting joy. And listen, it doesn't matter what you are going through in the deepest and darkest times in our lives. Just, just by being in the presence of Jesus, we can find joy. Right? Joy is not about the absence of suffering. Joy is about the presence of Christ, right? Joy is not about the absence of suffering. Joy is about the presence of Christ. Listen, I've seen some people go through some hard times in life where they struggled through death and divorce and drug addiction and, and just deep struggles of sadness. But, but somehow, my I mean, my mother-in-law, she went through some deep stuff with back problems, and, and I would see her, and her joy would just be full and I'd ask myself, how is she doing this? It's because her joy was in Christ. It's because her joy was in Christ. It doesn't matter what we go through. It's by being in the presence of Jesus that we can experience true and lasting joy. And so we're going to watch a video real quick if you can play that.
so here's the thing. And where do we go from here? I know that this is a, a tough time of year for some of us. I know that it's been a tough season of life. Maybe it's been a tough few years. And we're dealing with some things. And I'm not indifferent to the fact that there's some genuine struggles in this room right now. I mean, whether it be addictions or struggling in marriages or careers or finances, listen, there's some struggles happening right now. And I read a quote this week, and the quote said, happiness depends on happenings, but joy depends on Christ. Man, that just spoke to me so much that, that, that joy is not the same thing as happiness. Happiness is, is dependent on circumstances. But when our joy is in Christ, we can make it through the toughest of times. A few, a few weeks ago, Pastor Greg said that Christmas is not about joy. Christmas is not about love or hope or peace. Christmas is about Jesus, the eternal God taking on human flesh and coming to be with us. Christmas, love, hope, and joy are the result of Emmanuel, God with us. Psalm 1611 says that in your presence there is fullness of joy. In the presence of God there is fullness of joy. In those times of struggle and despair, you know, it seems that the only place that we can find rest, the only time that we can find joy is when we just sit in the presence of God and we fix our eyes on Jesus. The only time that we can find joy is when we stop looking inward and we start looking upward. These wise men, they were searching for something. They were searching. They asked the question, much like we are here today. And they were trying to find answers to this question. But you see, if we try to find joy apart from Christ, we will constantly be asking ourselves that question. Is there more to life than this? For myself, I tell you something. Since that cold, dark night in October, when that man told me of all my problems and I gazed up at the stars and God spoke to me through his creation, since that night... Since the night that I was on my way to prison and I was rejoicing with great joy, I have never asked that question again. I've never asked that question again. Because I knew that I found the answer to my problems. I knew that I found the solution to all that I had been searching for. I no longer had to search anymore. I no longer had to ask the question. It is only when we find our joy in Christ that we can find what it is that our hearts have been searching for. These wise men, they asked the question, and they took a journey. And the result of that journey was finding joy in Christ and falling down on his feet and worshiping for who he was. 
And so for those of us who are here today who might be searching, for those of us who are here today who might be hurting, the same joy that these wise men found at the foot of Christ is being offered to you here today. It's being offering here today. You no longer have to search anymore. You no longer have to go through this alone because Jesus meets us where we are and he walks us through life so that we might look back at what we thought were hard times and rejoice in the victory after victory after victory. Let us pray. Father, we are so thankful that you have chose to reveal yourself to us and that you have that you have offered us life in your son. You know, your word says that no man shall look upon your face lest he die. But then you send your son Jesus so that we might look upon him who is the exact imprint of your nature, who is the fullness of your glory, and we might gaze upon his face and have access to you, Father. What a wonderful gift. Not a gift that we have earned or we have deserved, but but that while we were still sinners, Father, your son died for us. And so I pray, Father, over over the congregation here today, I pray that those who are struggling, those who are searching, those who are trying to find life and joy, that you might move in their hearts right now and that they might accept you. And I pray, Father, that those who have been walking with you for years and years and they're starting to find joy and search for joy in other places, Father, that they would remember what you have done for them and that they might sit back at your feet and worship and sit in your presence and find fullness of joy. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.